Welcome to Keep You 100 Radio. I'm your host, Felicity Pointer, type 1 diabetic, certified health coach, personal trainer, and founder of Needles and Spoons Health and Wellness. Inside this podcast, you'll find the real and raw conversations around diabetes management, including the lessons that we don't learn in our endos office, my best tips and trainings, and conversations from the experts that I trust inside the community so that you can create more predictability in your diabetes management and feel empowered while doing so. Let's dive in. So I've been living with type 1 diabetes for eight years, and of those eight years, I've been on an insulin pump for seven and a half. That means I've gone through 912 site changes, and that's not even counting my continuous glucose monitor. If you're living with diabetes, then you know that these diabetes devices are precious, and when we're just trying to do the things that we love, like being active, hanging out with our friends, traveling, we literally do not have time for our devices coming off and then dealing with insurance on top of that to deal with replacements. That is why I'm so happy that I found Syngrip, my favorite diabetes patch company, three years ago. Before finding them, my devices used to always knock off on doorways or sweat off after a workout. But since finding them, I can honestly say that I can go to the gym four days a week, sweat it up in hot yoga, go to the beach, and travel without having to worry about anything happening to my devices. As a type 1 diabetic who wants to make the most out of these experiences, I can't tell you how comforting it is to know that I have one less thing to worry about. Whether you're on an insulin pump or a continuous glucose monitor, you can try out SkinGrip at SkinGrip.com and save on your order by using the code LISSIE, L-I-S-S-I-E, at checkout. Now let's dive into this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Keep 100 Radio. Today, I am sitting with Emily Peterson, and she has been living with type 1 diabetes for a year and a half and started working in diabetes health coaching about a year ago. She currently lives in the Dallas, Texas area and works for a company that coaches individuals with type 2 diabetes. She's going to be sitting for the National Board of Health and Wellness Coaching Certification Exam this fall. And outside of that, she loves learning, cooking, exercising, hanging out with her husband, paragliding, and sleeping. And I can't really argue with that because that's probably one of my favorite things to do too. (laughs) So welcome to the show. I'm so excited that you made it on and I would love to have you introduce yourself to everybody and just kind of tell us more about you and your journey. Sure. Yeah. So that introduction was great. It hit on a lot of the main things about me that I love my husband. I love adventures and I love sleeping. Those are the main things. Um, And that I have diabetes. I've been living with it for about a year and a half. I was diagnosed when I was 23 years old. And so a little bit later than some people, but I know that it's not totally uncommon to be diagnosed as an adult. Um, As far as things I like to do, we, our whole world has started revolving around paragliding, which we started to do last year. So we like to hike and camp and travel to paraglide. That's that's our thing that we do. <laughs> how did that come up? Like, how did you decide paragliding's the new the new thing? So we both grew up in Utah, which is like a big hub for where people paraglide. So my husband especially grew up watching people paraglide. You drive down the freeway and you see a bunch of people doing it. So he always wanted to do it. When we were dating, he said, I'm going to paraglide. Do you want to do it with me? I said, sure, whatever. And then after we were married, we were figuring out a hobby that we could do together. And so we decided to try paragliding and we did it and we love it. Now we do it as often as we can. That is so cool. I Like I'm from Jersey, so nobody really, I mean, maybe people do it here. I just, it's not really in my area, but I did go to, uh, we did a cross country trip a, about two months ago and like just seeing, you know, Utah and how much open space there is, I was like, 
wow, there's probably so much that you could do here. So I'm really jealous. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a cool way to see the world from up above. You get to fly around and see a whole new perspective on things. It's cool. Oh my gosh. We'll have to talk a little bit more about that and how you kind of manage around that. But let's sure. kind of dive into your journey a little bit because we were actually diagnosed at pretty similar stages of life or I mean I was a little younger I was 19 so I was probably I was more of a a freshman in college so that was an adjustment in in itself but tell me a little bit more about you know being 23 and kind of being diagnosed as a a young adult. Sure so I had graduated from college like a year or so before my diagnosis. I studied public health in school so I knew a little bit about diabetes but like I just had one chronic disease class that I took where it's like just a brief touch on different parts about diabetes. Um, I had no family history of it at all. So I kind of thought I'm probably not going to ever have diabetes. I never expected it to come on. Um, I was working in my first job. I didn't really love it, but it was close by home, a short commute, and it made good money. So you can't complain too much. And then I got really sick, all the classic symptoms that people have with the fatigue and exhaustion. My vision was changing. I couldn't see anything unless it was like right up on my face. (laughs) And all those things were really scary because I was in pretty good health before that. I worked out regularly. I ate pretty good food. I lived a pretty active lifestyle. So felt weird that I was like dizzy and out of breath every time I went up the stairs And so I first went to an eye doctor to see why my vision was changing because I knew that wasn't good. They told me it's probably because I hadn't had an eye exam in the last year. And I was like, I don't know about that, but whatever. So I I kept being sick for a couple more weeks, finally went into a doctor. Um, They said, we think you might have diabetes. We'll do some blood work and call you back in. They called me the next day and said, okay, can you come into our office like right now? We need to talk to you. And so I called my husband, was like, okay, we need to go to the doctor right now. I went in, they said, okay, you have type one diabetes. You are going to be insulin dependent for the rest of your life. Here's a shot. We don't know how you're not in the hospital right now. Here's a list of stuff to go pick up at a Walmart pharmacy. Go get it. Good luck. Goodbye. So it was kind of like traumatic experience, everything on me all at once. Here's a list to take to Walmart pharmacy. I don't know why it was the Walmart pharmacy. Like, that's the most random thing. But I remember standing in line at the Walmart pharmacy with my list of my long-acting insulin, a blood sugar meter, and I think that was it. Oh, and metformin. She gave me, like, a basic type 2 diabetes early medication stuff. They gave me the stuff, and I went home and was, like, researching what is diabetes, how to live with type 1 diabetes. And she said, you can go see an endocrinologist if you want. And it was just kind of like on my own from there. So those are the, the early phases of my diagnosis. I was lucky to have my husband coming to stuff with me. But as far as it was a bit of a challenge. <laughs> uh, and I feel like you're right. Like no, Not a lot of people talk about that traumatic aspect of it. Because even I feel like as, no matter how seamless quote unquote, your diagnosis is, it, there's still that aspect of trauma there. Like, even though like, I was diagnosed on the spot pretty similarly, they're pretty much like, okay, class of symptoms, let's test your blood sugar, type 1 diabetes. But there's still that like, oh, wow, I lived 19, 23 years without this. And now my life is changing, but I don't really have that support system. I, I mean, you're lucky that like, you had your husband, but medically, there wasn't really that 
backed support system that was guiding you through, okay, this transition in life. So I just feel like it's something that's not really talked about enough. Um, but what was your husband's reaction? Like, how was he? Because that, that's also different. And I mean, I was dating, I was type one before meeting my, my fiance. So it was something he kind of learned with me. But yeah, how was that experience? I felt like it was lucky that I had somebody that I was with all the time, my best friend, person I trust and love more than anybody in the world. And to have him there with me to experience all the emotions and everything that comes from the initial diagnosis, just to have somebody there with me every step of the way was really helpful. And he learned how to do the shots. I was scared to give myself injections the first few days. So he like helped do them with me and helped me put my first Dexcom sensor on because that was freaky, the loud sound and stuff. So he's been awesome to be there with me every step of the way. I, I don't know if I would have been okay if he wasn't there. It's really scary. I I mean, yeah, I was in college. So my, my parents were, I, w- I went to college like four hours away from where I live. So like nobody was really there with me. My parents were, at, they were in New Jersey. I was in Pennsylvania. I had my roommate that I had known for about four months at that point. And like, so I was like, all right, this is really fun. So I'm really yeah, glad that you had. That's hard to not have the, the support, like anybody that you're really close to. I, I felt lucky that I had my husband and also kind of happy that it wasn't when I was a kid. I think that would have been really hard on my parents. I don't know how parents of children with type 1 diabetes do it. Like, that would be so hard. So I'm glad I'm, like, able to keep myself alive and not have to be totally dependent on other people. But it is a big burden to have to take on to learn how to do what an organ used to do inside you. Oh, absolutely. Was there anything, and this is kind of like off the topic that we're, we kind of had discussed, but was there anything that he did specifically that made you feel like made you feel really supported? Just because I know that there's probably some people listening that either have partners that might not know how to support them or even like parents and supporters learning how to support their loved ones with type one. So just kind of want to pick your brain a little bit. Yeah, I think his curiosity was the biggest thing. Like everything I was learning, he was saying, tell me about that. Tell me what you're considering right now when you're figuring out how much insulin you need to do or if you need to have a snack before we go for this walk or whatever. He was just very curious about everything to learn what I was learning alongside with me. And he he was supportive in going to my doctor's visits with me. He sat in on my dietitian visits. Like he was just right by my side every step of the way. And I know that's not some people's style, but I'm like, I'm very dependent on him. We're very like two peas in a pod do everything together. We, we both work from home together and we have desks in the same room. So like, that's very much like our style. And it's exactly what I needed as, as I was diagnosed. That's adorable. I was I was actually creeping on your other Instagram. I think it was your paragliding Instagram with him. And I was like, this is so cute. <laughs> I can tell you guys have a really good relationship. But no, I think that's really good to know because there's there's also that like judgment-free lens of like, you know, there I feel like there's a, a, a line between asking questions but not wanting to pry, I'm sure, from the other perspective. So it's really nice to have that curiosity that's like non-judgmental. Totally. Real quick, my Dexcom just went off. I need to acknowledge it so it doesn't be really loud. I'm sure you'll hear. Yep, you'll hear me. You'll hear me as well. I think I'm sitting a little high right now. So I'm good. (laughs) If you need to take a break, we're good. Thank you. Um, But I want to quickly talk about 
Um, so you were diagnosed about a year and a half ago and you had mentioned that you had just kind of gotten into health coaching about a year ago. So was there any correlation between your decision to go into health coaching after your diagnosis or was that specifically from your, um, more of your public health background? It was totally diabetes diagnosis related. So as I mentioned, I was working in a job that was just kind of like a random job, not really related to any of my interests. Um, and I didn't really like it. So I had started trying to figure out what my passions were and what I was into. And I was like kind of having a hard time figuring out what I want to do with my life to have a meaningful career. And that's when I started to get sick. And so I put the career search on hold, was like, okay, I need to like stay alive for now. <laughs> and then after I was feeling better, I got back on the career search and was like, okay, now I can figure out what am I passionate about? And then it was like, oh, diabetes like this was just placed on my lap I I'm passionate about understanding diabetes and trying to live the best life that I can without limitations so I can go paragliding with my husband and go do all the fun things and be able to live a good life so I I was looking at careers related to diabetes like okay I could be a nurse and go back to school and become a, a certified diabetes care and education specialist but I was like I don't really like school. I don't really want to go back and become a nurse. Then same thing with the dietitian route to be a the certified educator there. Maybe not so much. But then I found the health coaching world and was like, yes, this this is right up my alley. It's it fills gaps in care that some of the providers can't do. They can't provide the hands-on support that coaching can. And it's not like so much a huge responsibility, I would say, as some of the other careers are, because we're just guiding people through whatever goals or things they want to be working on. But you get to be there to support them and to help them to to create their own journey. So I was really excited about that and started looking for ways to become the best health coach. That's how I found the National Board of Health and Wellness Coaching decided to get my certification there. I had found a course that I could do that was like a rapid one to do it in a few months so I could jump in as fast as I could um, and then started applying for jobs. And this job that I have now actually has one of the national board certification courses as part of the employment program. So you can get a job here and they have the, um, I don't know the name of it, but it's like an employer-sponsored course. That's pretty much mm-hmm. what it is. Yep. So I was excited to get a job as a health coach with this company without like much health coaching experience at all. I'm glad they went out on a limb to let me join their stuff. And I went through the board certification course. It was like a six month thing that we got to do during some of our work hours. And we just finished that up a few weeks ago. So I'm in the process of logging my practice coaching calls, getting those 50 in, you know, that process. <laughs> yep, yep. And getting ready to sit for the exam this fall. That is so cool. It's really nice that you get to go through the like hands-on learning process while going through the um, the education piece, like the certification, because like that there's so there's such a difference between actually applying what you're learning and or or learning and actually applying it and like actually coaching. So it's really cool that you're getting both opportunities. But I think it's really cool that like I feel like we have a lot of synchronicities in kind of our journey of these random things happened (laughs) that we couldn't control. Like we were both diagnosed with type one in adulthood. For me, when I was actually 23 too, I was diagnosed with Crohn's. And at, you know, at the time these things feel kind of like the worst thing in the world, but 
at the same time, they really help you, one, learn more about your body. And it kind of leads you to this other these other directions. So for me, actually, surprisingly, at the same age, I was 23 when I was diagnosed with Crohn's as well on top of type 1. And that was like the worst thing at the time, you know. And I was like, there's no reason for this. I, you know, all those kind of mindset shifts that kind of happen. And, you know, I didn't think that there was at the time. But it kind of forced me to learn more about my body and learn more about the environments that I was in and learn more about, you know, what was going into my body and how I was treating it as a whole, which is ultimately what led me into health coaching. And it's kind of funny, like looking back, because I was um, after I was diagnosed with diabetes, I did have those similar thoughts kind of come up, but I kind of ignored them because after my when I had gotten into my junior year of college, I was like, you know, engineering is not it. This is not what I'm passionate about. I really want to lean into this health side of things. So I had changed my major from engineering to biobehavioral health uh, at the very beginning of the semester because I was like, you know, I can go into nursing or I can go to secondary school and, you know, kind of continue the education. And I had gotten really freaked out um, in the middle of that switch by the, you know, extra schooling. Um, you know, I was out of state, out of state college, out of state tuition, extra loans. I had gotten really, you know, I started overthinking it. So I was like, you know, let me switch back to engineering. Let me finish out the four years. I can always go back to school. And again, that's kind of when I was diagnosed with Crohn's and I was like, you know, let's, let me look into this holistic approach a little bit more. And then IE the health coaching world kind of found me anyway. So I always kind of think like whatever is meant to be what kind of finds you eventually. Um, and it seems to be kind of what happened a little bit earlier in your journey with type one, which I think is really cool. And you, you also found a really awesome company that's willing to support you in your education and um, the integration piece of it too. Totally. Yeah. It's cool <laughs> how things just kind of fall into place. Like you think they're falling together, but really they're, or they're falling apart, but really they're just coming together things yeah. just seem to work out sometimes I love it can we talk a little bit about the like let's kind of talk about the gap that you are looking to fill in your role as a health coach I know right now you work for another company and they work with more with the type 2 community so we can either talk specifically about what you do now or what you are looking to do with your uh, certification as a as a whole sure yeah we can touch on both of that so just with the health coaching in general we help people put plans into place for what their doctors tell them to do. So like people with type two diabetes get put on medications. They say, okay, go change your diet and exercise more. And that like doesn't really help anybody if they don't have a specific plan for that. Right. So my role in coaching with type two diabetes is lots of lifestyle changes because people can get off their medications. People can get into remission and it is possible with, the right tools and the right people on your team and the right motivation and everything has to all fall into place perfectly, but it is possible. And so if people have the determination to get off their medications, to change their lifestyle, to get moving a little bit more or to eat a certain way, it's possible to, to change the, the outlook of where things are going in their life. So that's where coaching comes in. We, partner with people to be their guide in their journey. They say, I want to exercise more. And we dig into that. Okay, what does exercise more mean to you? What type of exercise? How often? All the basic coaching things to nail down a, a very specific and measurable plan. And so that's the, the thing that we do with our company. We help people to 
put their diabetes in remission, which I'm jealous of. Um, <laughs> ultimately, I would love to transition to coaching people with type 1 diabetes. I, I think that's where my passions lie most heavily, but there's not as much of a, a career option for that right now. The majority of people with diabetes have type 2 diabetes. I believe it's like 95% of diabetes cases are type 2 so the type 1 community is a lot smaller, so there's a lot less need for it. And the insurance companies aren't as incentivized to help pay for coaching for type 1 because we can't get off our insulin. We can't lower their costs with health coaching outside of, I don't know, therapy or hospital bills like or general improvement of life. Like The insurance doesn't see that as a profitable thing to invest in. So the company I'm working for now is off of a big insurance company. It's backed and funded by them. So people who are on certain insurance plans can sign up for our program for no out-of-pocket costs. They get a free Dexcom. They get coaching. They have access to dietitians and nurses and providers, the coaching team, the whole shebang. They've got it all for no out-of-pocket cost, which is like, wow, that would be really cool if everyone had that. But it's not... It's not like that for type one because they don't have the financial say in in having it benefit them. So it kind of stinks, but it's just kind of how it is. <laughs> I yeah, I agree. I wish that there was a systemic kind of shift to their because I I'll kind of argue in a little bit of the sense of I do think that there is so much space for coaches in the type one space. I I think there's not enough of us actually. I think there needs to be more. Because when we think of the the overload on endocrinology and the endocrinologists and just kind of like what it would take for us to catch up with that need, there's just not enough education. There's not enough hands-on support. So there, I think there's definitely a need. And I really wish that there was that accessibility piece, which is constantly uh, something that, you know, everybody's always working towards to kind of bridge that gap. But really until the healthcare system gets on board with, yes, there is a direct need for health coaches that is beyond just, um, you know, medication costs or, you know, that quantitative piece of it. Like this is actually a quality of life aspect and we need to prioritize that. It's really unfortunate because that sounds amazing. The program that you're doing and like just how accessible it can be with the right, um, you know, it would be awesome without insurance that that was possible too, but, you know, at least with insurance, having no out-of-pocket costs, the use of a, a Dexcom, the support of somebody right there with you as a coach, I just, like, that would be so ideal to have that accessible to every single person as soon as they're diagnosed with diabetes, type 1 or type 2. So, hope, I mean, hopefully we'll get there one day. I think it might be a long time, but we'll see. Um, but I really liked what you mentioned as far as, like, these sustainable kind of lifestyle support pieces because I feel like that applies to anybody whether you're type 1 type 2 whether you even have diabetes or not really we all need to create those sustainable pieces of our our lives and I really like how you mentioned that coaching is like identifying okay what does this look like to you like what does exercising mean to you uh does that mean doing it every single day for an hour or does that mean just adding a 10 minute walk into your day and that can you know feel good um but like when you think of your personal approach to coaching, like how does that differ or like what does that look like as far as how you kind of look at your type one management and how you support people with type two, just like how does that look? 
Yeah. So in my personal experience and journey with type one diabetes, I set up very unrealistic expectations for myself. I thought I need to have a 100% time and range. Everything needs to be perfect. I need to exercise for an hour every day. I need to have very low carb diet. Like I was very strict and restrictive. And I think that perspective and being able to take a step back and going to therapy and doing all sorts of things to work on my relationship with myself and my body has helped me to have more empathy for the people I'm working with and to help them to see that they might be able to do this crazy keto diet and exercise for two hours every day. They might be able to do that for a few days, but like, is that really what they want to do? And is it something that is going to be sustainable forever? Probably not. So I, I like the sustainability approach with people and taking really small and simple steps to get things going. Like if there's a member that wants to start exercising all the time, they have a goal to have a exercise routine in place where they exercise six times a week. Okay, well, that's probably not going to happen right away. And helping people to give themselves some patience and grace as they're working on building that routine to start with, okay, maybe let's start with two days a week, or how often do you think you would like to do it to start with? What's realistic for you to do just in the next week? And just breaking it down into really small bite-sized pieces to create something that they can do. Because nothing is worse than having a goal to do something crazy and then failing and feeling like you can't do anything and then giving up completely. That That's not a good way to do it either. So the small bite-sized pieces and, and working on finding what the motivation is, is also very important. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, I feel like it's really easy to lean on our blood sugars as motivation of like, I just need to do this for my A1C or I just need to do this for my time and range. But it's like, what is on the other side of that? If on the other side, your A1C is just a reflection of your A1C, then I can tell you that's probably not going to get you anywhere. <laughs> like that's not going to be your prime motivator. But if on the other side of lowering your A1C, you're feeling more energized, you are, you know, socializing more, you're spending more quality time with the people that you love, you're enjoying more moments, like that is a prime motivator. Like that is what's going to make everything sustainable in the long run. And it's funny, like I have so many people coming to me and they're like, well, I just need to be consistent, but it can't be consistent if I'm, if I also want to be flexible. And like my whole thing is flexibility is consistent. When you think about just in terms of exercise, like consistency for me isn't working out every single day of the week. Consistency for me is, you know, maybe working out three days a week and letting myself have those other rest days or those days to move my body in a different way or go for a walk with my dogs. And the, the normal definition of consistent wouldn't label that as consistent. But for me, that's cons consistent because I'm going to be doing that like that's what's going to get me through each week. That's actually something that I can apply for the long term while being flexible with kind of how I'm meeting my body. So it's just kind of interesting, these definitions that we're kind of told through like normal diet culture, um, like the fitness world, the general health kind of stigma. So it's just interesting. But can I ask as far as kind of breaking these things down to sustainable steps and kind of having those very fine pieces to build consistency and sustainability are there things that you currently do in your current life that have helped you in, in your diabetes management, in your um, your lifestyle, just anything in general? Sure. Yeah. So a little background on, on my diabetes journey. 
that I haven't touched on. So when I was first diagnosed, I was giving, given long acting insulin, but no fast acting insulin. I didn't really know that that wasn't normal. Cause I, you're not supposed to know that stuff, right? Like that's for your doctors to figure out. When I went to my endocrinologist, I was eating almost no carbohydrates, exercising every day. My A1C was like, it was in the low fives. My time and range was like 90%. So it was looking good in the numbers, but the way I was doing it was not a sustainable way. I, you need carbohydrates, you need energy, you need food. And she just said, just keep doing whatever you're doing. And I said, no. And that's when my husband came in and helped to advocate and said, she is eating like this, exercising like this. She needs the fast acting insulin. So I eventually got on that, but I think some of that set me up for a very restrictive lifestyle of what things need to look like, what my time and range has to look like. There was a lot of anxiety around my numbers when they were high, especially. I felt really guilty, like, oh, I did something wrong. I messed up. I screwed up. Um, And it eventually led to some disordered eating behaviors. I noticed that I was developing poor thoughts about my my diabetes to other areas of my life. So I sought help from a therapist to figure out how to get on top of that because I didn't like the way I was feeling about myself and the thoughts I was having. And so we've taken a whole huge step back from the little things like I could keep I could keep my numbers 99% time in range. I could do that if I needed to, but it was taking over my life. So I created a new care team. I found an endocrinologist that's supporting me. I found a dietitian who works with people with type 1 diabetes and eating disorders. I have a therapist who covers eating disorders and has a kid with type 1. So like I have a great care team now that has helped me take a step back and to see the bigger picture that I don't have to have 100% time in range. I learn from from numbers going high as a way to do it different the next time. And so right now I'm in the place in my life where I'm just trying to be curious about myself and to learn about my body's patterns and to take small steps and set realistic expectations for myself rather than some of those unrealistic ones. So I've been like kind of coaching myself, but also kind of like anti-coaching myself. Like, okay, how can I not exercise this week? How can I not be so uptight about things? So it's it's kind of a, a strange approach in the place that I'm in right now, but I think it's an important one for me to be at, to be in a way that I'm creating sustainable changes to not kill myself with burnout. Right. Because I really like the point that you added in about the just kind of your experience with your endocrinologist, because I had a very similar experience too of, you know, I was very restrictive at first. I, I did the low carb. I was trying to change my workout patterns, move my body a lot, like, you know, doing the things that you're typically told. And again, my A1C, it was fine. It was like, you know, in the sevens, like 7.1. And my endo is pretty much like, as long as you're under 7.5, keep doing what you're doing. But, you know, to your point, it leads to these disordered eating habits that aren't sustainable in the long run or just going to kind of ruin your relationship with food. So it's kind of like, that's a big flaw, I think, in our healthcare system. And that's why I think it's so important that coaching does exist because we're actually looking at the lifestyle and sustainability sustainability component of it. So that's where I'm like a huge advocate because you're right. It's a lot. It can be a lot of unlearning at the same time. I have clients that come to me and they're like, yes, I need more intentional habit formation. But then I have other clients who come and they're like, I need to unlearn things that I was taught so that I can have more 
of a restriction-free approach. I can enjoy more things. So I, it's, I think there, there's both sides of coaching. There's, you know, being more intentional, but then sometimes we need to loosen the reins a little bit too. And it's finding that, finding that balance. Um, so what would be your, like your biggest piece of advice for, let, let's kind of start with anybody who wants to kind of lean into their health. So like maybe talking to the person with, with diabetes. Um, so your biggest piece of advice for them. And then maybe on the flip side of the coin, anybody who's listening, who wants to get into coaching that maybe isn't really sure how to start or, you know, they're not sure if it's for them. Let's kind of like to speak to those two people. Yeah. So people who are wanting to focus on their health, I would say, create a vision for yourself. What do you want your health or your life to look like? Start big picture and then break it down from there. What will that look like in six months from now? What will that look like in three months from now? And break it down. And like we talked about, you might need to do some unlearning to get past restriction or things that you're doing, or you might need to do some learning and start putting some more habits and routines in place. So having the big picture of what you want to accomplish and then breaking it down into little tiny bite-sized pieces of how to work toward getting there is a great way to do it. And the coaching aspect is a great support to help you if you're feeling stuck at all or if you want someone to help guide you through discovering what you want and how you can get there in your own way. That's what coaching is there for. I know there's lots of us out there that are ready and excited to help people if they feel like they want somebody to help them through this journey. Um, And as far as people that want to get into coaching, I would say just start following people online. That's what I started with. I found Lizzie and other people through Instagram and started following some of their pages and listening to things that they shared, like podcasts like these or, or other webinars or presentations or things that they did to just hear more about what the coaching approach is because it's different. It's it's not educating people. It's not telling them what to do. It's just like being their buddy and helping them figure out what they want to do with their life and how to get there, right? So it's it's different than I expected it to be, but it it's been really rewarding to be the missing piece in someone's puzzle that they're trying to create to to be able to help people get to where they want to go. So I would just say find people that you can listen to their stuff and hear stuff about. Go to the National Board of Health and Wellness Coaching website. They have some awesome information bits about what coaching is all about. You could look at some of the programs that you can take to sit to qualify to sit for the board exam. Um, there's a lot of information on there. <laughs> yes, and I definitely encourage everybody to reach out to you if you're available for it. Um, you've been very supportive of like even my journey with uh with creating the ethical coaching and diabetes care certification you know we had a lot you were one of the first people i actually told about it because i know how passionate you are about coaching and just seeing if like hey is this something that you think is needed in the space and then even collaborating more and you know saying hey let's look at these other organizations that can hopefully accredit it and you know you're a big like a big person that was involved in helping getting it approved in the by the national board of health, health and wellness coaching and now hopefully the adcs like so I think that you are you're so knowledgeable about the industry as a whole and like I just I would encourage everybody to reach out to you if you're open to DMs in your inbox but if you are um like where can people find you how can they communicate with you um just where can people yeah talk to you Yeah sure people can reach out through Instagram I I don't really even know what my handle is can we like link it in the show notes <laughs> I think I'll like, link it 
Emily Peterson or something. I don't even know what it is. Um, okay, linked in the show notes. Handle. You can DM me on Instagram. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I will definitely, I'll link you in. Um, and yeah, if anybody ever has questions, you know, we're both available to, to support you. And thank you so much for coming on. This was really awesome. This was an exciting episode. Thank you, Lizzie. Go health coaching. Everyone <laughs> needs a health coach. Just kidding. <laughs> but that a, should be a, a great way to get to where you need to be. So thank you, Lizzie, for all that you're doing for the community. I think the ethical coaching certification is awesome. It's not my time to do it as I'm working through some other stuff right now, but I look forward to participating in it when my time is right. And so just like everything in life, there's a time and a season yes. and I'm excited for mine. So Absolutely. thanks for all you're doing. Of course. Thank you.